This is the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. In this edition today, our bulletin of church news to be followed by Panorama. Today we shall close with our feature of health and healing. My name is Kanyan Tagodfri Kampamba. Pope Francis on Wednesday held his midweek general audience in Paul VI's hall at the Vatican. His catechesis was a continuation of his cycle on the virtues and vices. This week, the focus of the Holy Father's reflection was on laziness, which he said can be overcome with the patience of the faith. In reality, the Pope said, laziness is an effect more than a cause. Francesca Mello reports, Acidia, the Holy Father noted as he began his general audience, is often called by another name. La pigrizia. Laziness. In reality, laziness is an effect more than a cause, noted the Pope, explaining that when a person is idle, indolent or apathetic, often the root is acidia, which from its Greek origin literally means a lack of care. La cidia. Referring to Acedia as the noonday demon, Pope Francis explained that it grips us in the middle of the day and makes the hours ahead seem impossible to bear. In stressing the dangers of this vice, the Holy Father stressed that the best remedy is one. La paciencia de la fede. The patience of faith. Despite the desire to be elsewhere, one must have the courage to remain and to welcome God's presence in the here and now, said Pope Francis, recalling that monks often claim that the cell is the best teacher of life because it is a place that concretely and daily speaks to us in our love story with the Lord. Bringing his catechesis to a close, Pope Francis noted that the battle of Acidia is a decisive one and that it must be won at all costs. He invited all those who feel tempted to laziness to maintain a smaller measure of commitment, but at the same time to endure, to persevere by leaning on Jesus, who never abandons us in temptation. I'm Francesca Merlo. At the end of his general audience, Pope Francis expressed special thoughts for Albanian Cardinal Ernest Simoni, who was imprisoned by the then communist regime of his country for close to 30 years. He is a living martyr, Pope Francis said in his off-the-cuff remarks. After discussing the history of Christian martyrdom in ancient Rome, the Pope noted the fact that today, too, there are many martyrs all across the world. Born in the village of Trosciani in northern Albania in 1928, Ernest Simoni began his studies for the priesthood within the Franciscan order at the age of 10. In 1948, the Franciscan convent where he was staying was looted by agents of the communist regime. The friars were shot dead and the novices were expelled. Despite this development, Simon continued his theological studies in secret and was clandestinely ordained a priest in 1956. In 1963, after Christmas Mass, Simon was arrested and imprisoned. He remained in prison for 28 years, facing both solitary confinement and many years of hard labor. Pope Francis in September 2014 met Father Simoni during his visit to Albania and was brought to tears 
when listening to him discussing his sufferings, after his visit, he decided to make the elderly priest a cardinal. Cardinal Simone continues to bear witness the Pope's trust. He is now 95 years old and he continues to work for the church without becoming discouraged. After his release from prison in the 1990s, Cardinal Simone forgave his jailers and resumed his service as a priest with a special focus on promoting reconciliation in post-communist Albania. In other remarks at the end of his audience, Pope Francis appealed to the faithful to be close to all those suffering from wars, especially in Ukraine, Palestine and Israel. Deborah Lubav has this report. Oggi inizia la Quaresima. Disponiamoci a percorrere questo tempo come occasione di conversione e di rinnovamento interiore. Today, as Lent begins, let us prepare to journey through this time as an opportunity for conversion and inner renewal, Pope Francis says, calling it an opportunity to listen to the Word of God and care for our needy brothers and sisters who are in great need. With this thought, Pope Francis began his latest appeal for closeness to all those suffering from wars as he concluded his weekly general audience in the Vatican on Wednesday morning. Here, let us never forget the tormented Ukraine. Palestine and Israel. Who suffers so much, he said. Ukraine later this month will commemorate the two-year anniversary of the start of the war since Russia's invasion in February 2022 as the killings and bombardments continue. Let us pray, Pope Francis appealed for these brothers and sisters who suffer from war. The Pope invited everyone to pursue conversion and actively care for those suffering, those in war zones, and those who have been forced to flee. Let us continue our help and intensify prayer, he said, especially those prayers to request the gift of peace in the world. Also in the Holy Father's remarks to Polish pilgrims, Pope Francis thanked Polish faithful who organized or are participating in a fundraiser in all Polish churches today, the first day of Lent, to help Ukraine. Since February 2022, over 15 million refugees from Ukraine have crossed through the Polish border. In the face of so many wars, Pope Francis said, let us not close our hearts to those in need. As he invited, may prayer, fasting, and almsgiving be the way to build peace. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. In Ghana, a group of young people is this year embarking on an innovative initiative in order to give a new meaning to the observance of Lent. The Ghanaian youths will do this by engaging in environmental stewardship campaigns under the banner of Green Lent. This means that throughout the 40-day Lenten period, the young people will dedicate Fridays and Sundays to exploring a deep understanding and practice of the two crucial encyclicals of Pope Francis, the Laudato Si and the Laudato Deum, in order to advocate environmental care. Francesca Dometieru-Ziniel is Ghana's country director for the Catholic Youth Network for Environmental Sustainability Africa, Sinesa Ghana for short. Speaking to Vatican Radio, Francesca explained the fact that the young people in Ghana with this year have an innovative approach to the observance of the Lenten period. We realize that Lent, more or less, pardon me, has become monotonous. It has become the usual every year 40 days prayers and fasting period. But we also realize that Laudato Si and now with Laudato Dion, these are two important documents 
by the Holy Father Pope Francis, talking about the care of our common home and our responsibility as lay people, as Christians. And we have realized that that dream, that vision of Pope Francis have still not drummed home so far as the church in Africa or Ghana is concerned and the young people in our diocese is concerned. So we said, why don't we try to make Lent this year more educative, more interactive, and more interesting and involving, not just with the young people, but with all Catholics and Christians at large. Therefore, we said, instead of the normal Lent, Green Lent. So Green Lent is talking about a period of education, a period of awareness, creation, advocacy, and some positive works towards impacting the environment and also drumming home the message of Laudato. Greenland is going to be a virtual and an in-person program. Virtually, every day we are going to come out with themes, flyers, and then sayings of Holy Father of the Bible and of popular people about environmental activism. In person, you are going to have youth involved in environmental evangelism. So you find youth at the corners and streets around you carrying placards that are advocating for environment. Aside that, you are going to have some cleanups in the communities, beach, and other activities. Ghana's country director for the Catholic Youth Network for Environmental Sustainability Africa, Francesca Dometier-Rosiniel. You are tuned to the Daily Africa service of Vatican Radio. African News Panorama. President Nana Akufo-Addo of Ghana has replaced the finance minister in a cabinet reshuffle amid criticism of his handling of the country's economic problems. Outgoing finance minister Ken Ofori-Atta has been overseeing the government's debt restructuring efforts since President Akufo-Addo took office in 2017. A statement from the presidency said Mr. Ofori-Atta will be replaced by Mohamed Amin Adam, currently the Minister of State at the Finance Ministry, the outgoing minister has been heavily criticized by protesters and lawmakers from the opposition and his own party for his leadership during the country's worst economic crisis in a generation. The move announced on Wednesday by the president's office comes ahead of an election in December. In Liberia, President Joseph Wakai has appointed retired female brigadier general Geraldine George as the acting minister of defense. The appointment came after protests by the wives of soldiers forced the resignation of Defense Minister Prince Charles Johnson III on Monday. The women said that as the former chief of staff of the armed forces, Mr. Johnson was responsible for low wages and poor living conditions in the military barracks. Ms. George joined the army in 2006 as it was being rebuilt following the end of Liberia's civil war and rose to become part of the elite forces. She has served as the Deputy Chief of Staff of the Liberian Armed Forces for the last six years. President Boakai took office in January after narrowly defeating the incumbent George Weir in a runoff election last November. A judge in Italy has ruled that two employees of a UN agency cannot be tried over the deaths of the Italian ambassador to the Democratic Republic of Congo along with his bodyguard and driver in 2021 because they have diplomatic immunity. 
Ambassador Luca Atanasio, his Italian bodyguard and their driver, a Congolese national, were killed during a failed kidnapping on a road in eastern Congo as they were heading toward a UN World Food Program project. Prosecutors in Rome had requested a trial for Rocco Leone and Mansur Lunguru Luangaza, who at the time of the attack were respectively the deputy chief of the WFP in Congo and a security officer accusing the pair of negligence in organizing the trip. However, Judge Marisa Morsetti ruled on Tuesday that as employees of the United Nations, the two men enjoyed diplomatic immunity and cannot therefore be tried. The prosecutors have said they will appeal the decision. A military court in the Democratic Republic of Congo last year sentenced six men to life in prison for the killings. Staying in the DRC, local officials in the eastern part of the country have said the majority of the 50 passengers aboard a wooden boat that capsized while crossing Lake Kivu at a weekend are presumed to be dead. The boat, which was also carrying 20 bags of cement, sank on Sunday due to being overloaded, said Mustafa Mamboleo, an official in South Kivu province. He said 10 people survived and three bodies had been found, and the search continues for about 37 people. You're tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. You are welcome to this week's edition of Health and Healing. The Catholic Church observed the World Day of the Sick last Sunday, February 11th. The day is observed every year on the same date to create awareness about the suffering caused by sickness, to pray, to share, and to offer one who's suffering for the good of the church, and to remind the faithful to see in our sick brothers and sisters the face of Christ. The day was instituted on May 13, 1992 by St. Pope John Paul II to coincide with the memorial of Our Lady of Lourdes, who intercedes to her son Jesus Christ for our spiritual and physical healing. During the Angelus last Sunday, Pope Francis reminded the faithful of that day and said its theme draws attention to the importance of relationships in sickness. He explained that the first thing we need when we are ill is the closeness of our loved ones, of health care professionals, and in our hearts, God is closeness. We are all invited to be a neighbor to those who suffer and to visit the sick as Jesus Christ teaches us in the gospel. The Holy Father expressed his closeness and that of the entire Catholic Church to all those who are sick and weak, stressing that we are called to God's style, which is closeness, compassion, and tenderness. The Holy Father released the message for this year's World Day of the Sick on January 13th. We broadcast that message in our church news on that day. Here it is again. It is not good that man should be alone, healing the sick by healing relationships. This is the theme of Pope Francis's message for the 2024 commemoration of the World Day of the Sick held this year on February 11th. Drawing on God's words about Adam in the biblical book of Genesis, Pope Francis notes that God's first thought for the first man was that he should be in communion and relationship with other beings. Our lives are meant to attain fulfillment through a network of relationships, friendships, and love, says the Pope. We were created to be together, not alone. 
This relational aspect of humanity, he adds, retains its importance even in moments of vulnerability, illness, and insecurity, which are often caused by the onset of a serious illness. In response to our throwaway cultures that exalt productivity, the Holy Father calls for health care systems to be accompanied by a therapeutic covenant between physicians, patients, and family members. Human sin, says the Pope, wounds us by severing our relationships and causing us to miss the meaning of our lives. The Pope therefore invites everyone to offer compassionate and loving closeness to those who are ill. To care for the sick, he says, thus means to care for their relationships, all of them, with God, with others, family members, friends, healthcare workers, and with creation and themselves. Each of us, says the Pope, came into the world because our parents welcomed us, and we were each made for love and are called to communion and fraternity. The best therapy for those who are ill, he adds, is to offer them our love and communion despite the pace of our own frenetic lives. He urges people who are ill not to feel ashamed of their longing for tenderness and never to feel like a burden on others. Pope Francis invites Christians to draw inspiration from Jesus' compassion-filled gaze through prayer and the Eucharist so as to heal the wounds of solitude and isolation. That report was filed by Devin Watkins of Vatican News. And lastly, reports from different countries show that there is a measles outbreak around the world with the most affected region being Europe. Measles is an infectious disease in children caused by a virus and spread from person to person through droplet infection, that is, through moisture released from the upper respiratory tract of an infected person by sneezing and coughing. Its symptoms include sneezing, coughing, ready, watery and swollen eyes that may be sensitive to light, fever, pain and loss of appetite. Dr. Natasha Crowcroft is a specialist in infectious diseases. She has worked in some African countries and done research on measles. Currently, she is a senior technical advisor on measles and rubella at the World Health Organization, the WHO. Measles is on the rise everywhere. We've got a perfect storm coming this year. We're really worried about what's going to happen because during the COVID-19 pandemic, childhood immunization slipped down the priority list and so kids didn't get vaccinated and now we're seeing the the results of that measles has no cure but can be prevented by hand washing and covering the mouth and the nose while sneezing but the most effective way to prevent it is by community-wide vaccination of children there are different types of vaccines Dr. Natasha explains what they are. The vaccines are all very similar. Varies just measles vaccine and measles vaccine combined with measles, mumps and rubella or just measles and rubella. Most countries in the world now use at least measles and rubella combined and many countries use measles, mumps and rubella and there's just a few countries left now that only use the measles vaccine. That's the biggest variation but what's actually in the vaccines really doesn't vary very much. We have different manufacturers, but we're using vaccines that we know a lot about. We've got 50 years' experience of using it in our essential program of immunization. And that really shows us how safe it is and how effective it is. Which is the best vaccine is the one that's in your national program. Every country in the world has a measles vaccination program. Two doses is what we recommend, and it is incredibly 
protective. It's like 97% if you have your two doses. So we don't routinely recommend anyone has more than that unless their healthcare provider recommends it. I mean, if somebody gets sick, for example, and needs cancer treatment, we may need to revaccinate them because of their immune system's been disruptive and they may have forgotten the immunity it had before. But in other situations, two should be fine. It's not to say that you won't ever get measles after getting two doses. It is possible, very rarely, and most of the time it will be a mild version of measles, so it's not anything to be concerned about. A question that is often asked is what would be the right time to vaccinate a child against measles? The age period depends on where the child lives, but immunization experts recommend that in normal circumstances when there is no outbreak of the disease, a child should be vaccinated when it is nine months old. However, in high-risk areas where the disease is common, children can get the first dose of the vaccine when they are six months old. In each situation, however, the child must get two doses of the vaccine to be safely protected from the measles infection. There is much misinformation about vaccines, some of which related to the side effects of the vaccine. Dr. Natasha explains the side effects of the measles vaccine and assures parents that they do not put a child's life at risk. One of the common ones is that people can get a, what we sometimes call a mini measles-like condition. So it's like a mild version of measles. You can get a little bit of a fever and a rash and, and uh, these irritated inflamed eyes as a result because the vaccine is a live vaccine. So it's basically a disabled measles virus and it can occasionally cause a measles-like disease. That doesn't spread to anyone else. It doesn't have any serious consequences. And it lasts a few days. Sometimes people get a bit of a local reaction. Sometimes they get just a fever, like kids can have some reactions. They usually happen, they're a bit more delayed than what happens with other vaccines. Because this is a live vaccine, it takes a bit longer for the side effects to show. I'm talking about a few days. And when they're over, they're over. That's the end of it. Um, There's one much rarer reaction which causes a problem with your platelets. So that's very well-recognised reaction. It's less common from the vaccine than it is from the disease. So even though it's a recognised side effect, it doesn't have any long-term consequences and you're more likely to get it from measles, which is why we recommend the vaccine over getting measles, obviously. In terms of the really severe side effects that you get with complications, I should say, of measles, that they don't happen with the vaccine. It's an incredibly safe vaccine. And we've, as I said, we've had 50 years of experience in millions and millions of children. In my opinion, no child should die from measles anywhere. That should not happen anymore, anywhere on this planet. But we're still seeing deaths from measles. Every measles death is a preventable death that we fail to prevent. Measles has no cure and it can kill if its symptoms are not properly treated. Dr. Natasha stresses that early detection of the outbreak is very important to save lives. She explains how detection is made and how the World Health Organization helps its member states to deal with the situation. The best thing to do is to stop the outbreaks happening at all and to respond to them very quickly to protect as many people as you can. Every country has or should have good measles, what we call surveillance in place. So if a case does occur, it should be reported to the public health authorities. It should be 
tested in a laboratory and as soon as a case is found in an area where there's an outbreak there should be a very rapid response now that doesn't happen everywhere but that's the ideal and so what we do is we support countries at various levels to help countries make sure that their surveillance system is working that it's strengthened that the labs are working properly and then um, when there is a case that it's jumped on very quickly because that's very important and as I said we're heading into this really difficult year where we think there's going to be a lot more outbreaks in a lot more places and so the things we've been really pushing is firstly getting ahead of it by trying to catch up any kids who aren't vaccinated but the other thing is the outbreak response and making sure that as soon as a case is identified everyone gets onto that case vaccinates everyone who's around that case and in, in that area and manages the cases as well as you can. And I should say there's actually no treatment for measles. According to the World Health Organization, since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, death caused by measles have increased by 43%. In 2023, there were about 9 million measles cases in the world and over 130,000 deaths, mostly among children. This was due to channeling away resources from vaccination against measles to fight COVID-19 and due to more people traveling abroad after COVID-19 and thereby increasing the risk of cross-border transmission and spread within communities. Dr. Natasha makes the following appeal. Get your children vaccinated. Speak up for vaccination. We really struggle at global level to get measles the attention it needs. Of all the vaccine-preventable diseases, we save more lives through the measles vaccine than any other vaccine. And yet we don't put it at the top of our list of priorities. If you can speak up for the vaccine and speak up for the unfairness of children in low-income countries dying from measles when they, they don't need to, your voices are important. Speak up for the vaccine and speak out against measles. It just shouldn't be happening. Dr. Natasha Crowcroft, a specialist in infectious diseases and current senior technical advisor on measles and rubella at the World Health Organization, the WHO. And that was health and healing for this week. This has been Johnny Baptist Tomosime. This is the Africa Service of Vatican Radio and I am Kanyanta Godfrey Kampamba. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetu Jesus Christus. Turn.